0: Today, it's my privilege, my name is Alan, I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, to continue our series entitled, The Jesus Way. While I won't be using the passage from Matthew or Mark, I do want to talk to you out of the book of Luke, chapter 18, and in this passage, we're going to discover another way that Jesus expresses the invitation of God through him to follow, to join, to walk, to navigate our life in honor and respect, but also in empowerment and strength in following Jesus. One of the things that you can read in the Markan passage uh, about this Palm Sunday is also expressed in the idea of today because every time we engage in in, an encounter with Jesus, one of the things we're experiencing in his way is the fierceness of his love. I mean, Jesus has a fierce love that he engages all who come in contact with him. Would you listen as we read these words from Luke chapter 18... Verses 18 through 30, I'm reading from the New International Version, so if you have your smart device or your Bible, or you just want to follow along with me on the screen, uh, Jesus is doing what he does. He's navigating uh, the area. He's traveling. A good rabbi is always traveling, and not only are his followers following, but he's gathering a crowd. And so he's speaking to followers, and he's speaking to curious listeners. And so he says this, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, in his way and only his way, you just notice at some point I'll, I'll reference this further. Jesus answers the question with a question. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus continues, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All of these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing sell everything everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we've left all to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters, or parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, will fail to receive many times over as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. When we talk about the fierce love of Jesus, I think what I'd like to do first is just tell you the context of what I understand fierce to mean. We're talking about this fierce love. Jesus isn't uh, drawing a sword, fierce battle. He is is making himself known in this way. His fierceness is shown in his heartfelt and powerful intensity of care. Jesus Jesus regularly engages in heart, Felt powerful intensity. As a matter of fact, Jesus' life and ministry is lived expressing fierce love to all. And we encounter the fierce love of Jesus at the intersection of grace and truth. You see, Jesus fully embodies grace and truth. So our engagement and encounter with Jesus is the experiencing of fierce love in grace and truth. In this instance, Jesus really jumps into this man's kitchen. I mean, he wasn't just fooling around. He jumped right in the middle of his business, but he did so with grace, not withholding truth. Our lives encounter the very same things. When we engage Jesus in life, he is engaging us in our business, at the intersection of grace and truth. And there are three things that I want to talk to you about today with regards to this interaction and Jesus' fierce love. When I understand Jesus' fierce love, what I see in this fierce love expresses itself in his love always searches our heart. His love always Searches our heart. You go back to a, good, a certain ruler, ask him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers the question with a question, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You notice that Jesus asks lots of questions. As a matter of fact, a guy named Bob T. He's a, a crew leader. Crew is an international group of folks uh, who proclaim passionately the love of Jesus uh, around the globe, uh, often to students and university settings, but far beyond that. In every setting you can imagine, they're proclaiming the goodness of the invitation of God to follow Jesus. And, and uh, Bob Teedy says that Jesus asked, I didn't count these, but Bob did. And he says, in his own admission, I'm not a scholar, but I can read, basically. He doesn't say it exactly. I can read, and I've counted. And he wrote a book titled, 339 Questions Jesus Asked. Now, that's a lot of questions. In the, Gospels, in the Gospels, Jesus engages us with questions because he's a master communicator. Jesus knows that questions help break the ice in connecting with others. The rich young ruler says to him, what is it that I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus makes a connection with him by asking him, why do you call me good? Now, what happens in he causes him to pause and think not only about the connection he's desiring to make with Jesus, but he's discovering a new way to think about life. There's this opportunity for a pregnant pause, a millisecond of a moment for him to think, why did I call you good? And he possibly would have said, well, I I called you good because I'm just trying to be respectful and polite. You're a good rabbi, and I want to treat you with respect. And so, and this is all happening, as I imagine, in the rich young ruler's head. I'm trying to be polite, and I'm trying to be kind. You know, it's also possible that he's thinking, well, you know, man, I really, really want to know. And so, um, a little bit of flattery won't do me any harm. Like, I'm going to position myself to receive a positive response from you, so I'm going to say something good to you so that you might say something good to me in return. Or it's possible that he was just simply saying, you know, actually, I know enough about you already that I believe in you. The power of the deposit of God rests in your wisdom, your grace, And your life, the very life I see you living is the life that I desire. And being a good Hebrew, being a good Israelite, he would be wanting and desirous to live into this life that Jesus was living. Jesus and his questions always provide the opportunity for us to experience a moment of a pregnant pause and in that moment the pause creates space for us to be honest and transparent you ever thought about how regularly you and I travel through life with no awareness our heads are down Our feet are moving. Our brains are passively active. And we're just putting one foot in front of the other just to make it through the day. In the back of our minds, we're dreaming about what the future might look like. But we pause rarely to ask the question that this young man asked. What do I need to do? To experience the life that you offer. And Jesus, in this encounter with this young man, created space for him to be transparent and honest with himself, but it also created a space for him to be transparent and honest with Jesus. And it created the space, I believe, to offer the opportunity not just to connect with Jesus, but to discover a new way of engaging life. Now, let me just give you a little bit of insight into this rich young man as a follower of Jesus in terms of being a Jew, being an Israelite. You see, One of the insights into this is his wealth and his wealth alone, nothing else in the Judaic community would have signified that he is blessed of God because no one attains wealth, massive amounts of wealth, wealth of any kind without this blessing of God resting on them. And so the crowd around is thinking, what do you mean what do you have to do to inherit eternal life the blessing of God the kiss of his grace his love is already poured out on you just look at all the wealth you've amassed your life is good man I wish I were like you and Jesus says whoa whoa, whoa wait just a minute could I give you the opportunity to pause and consider The question you're asking, would you reconsider the possibility that there's a new way of thinking about this life you desire? Not just the amassed wealth that gives you comfort. Would you pause just long enough to think about the fact that this isn't just a a new way to think, but there might be a new way to do the things that you do. If you go back and look at the passage, when Jesus cites the commandments, you realize he didn't cite all the commandments possible. He was referencing the Ten Commandments, but he only cites five of them. And the five that he cites are simply the interpersonal, relational connections of obedience. How do I treat others And it's highly likely that this young man had been treating others very well. And Jesus says, that's great. But there's more to the commandments and obedience than the way you treat others. Would you think for a moment with me that it wasn't just a new way of thinking about this it was a new way of doing this and he's ultimately suggesting that there's a new way of being in this life as we change our thinking as we change our doing we become people who are people of being and so as he searches our hearts there's this pregnant pause his his fierce love searches our hearts and creates a pregnant pause now i've sort of set the stage for this but as we continue jesus fierce love not only searches our hearts but as you'll discover jesus fierce love unearths our foundation unearths our foundation you see jesus asks him or makes the statement you still lack one thing sell everything you have And give to the poor. And it says the response of the young man was this. He heard this and he became very sad because he was very wealthy. When I'm talking about the foundation. I'm talking about the place and space we build our lives on. The foundation is the place and the space we build our lives upon. And in this statement to, to the rich young ruler here. He says to him, the foundation you're building your life on is placed in your hope, trust, and security that your future wealth will get you everything you desire, everything you will, that, that, that you want. So what you have now and what you hope to maintain will create everything you need to experience the life you desire. And Jesus in his fierce love, questions that assumption because Jesus and Jesus alone, it seems, in this moment, understands that the life he states he wants cannot be achieved by leaning on his present foundation. See, He's building on a foundation. And he says, I want to build this house that finds life in the future, eternal life that is flourishing and filled with the mercy and grace and truth of God. And Jesus says, if you continue building on this foundation, you will never be able to have the habitation, the house, the dwelling place that you desire because it can't be accomplished building on this foundation. And so Jesus asks him to reconsider reconsider his self-confidence and his ability to keep the commandments have you ever been certain of anything and then had an encounter with jesus like this happens to me regular all the time i i encounter something and it's generally something to do with my obedience to Christ. And I'm, I'm talking to him about my obedience. And I am, I, am, I am telling him how awesome I am because I have been obedient. And he says exactly to me what he says to this ruler. He says, Yeah, but have you considered this? You, you, you didn't do this. He's, my self reliance, my resting in my own abilities often are deceptive. And Jesus reveals in me that my religiosity needs an adjustment. That I need to rethink and I need to re-engage the power of the living Christ whose fierce love pierces and unearths the foundation on which I'm building. And Jesus basically is saying to this young ruler, he's saying, your relationship with others has been rich. Here's the question I want to ask you. How's your relationship with God? You've rested in your reliance on the great connections that you've made with others. How's your connection with God. See, if we go back to the great commandment, love God passionately with everything that's in your heart, soul, mind. Love it, love Him with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. The the, the young ruler was resting on part of that obedience. He was saying, I'm good. And Jesus was saying, not without a passionate connection to your father your wealth will not get you to where you are there's some other passages in the scripture says you know there's a man who built his house on the solid rock and when the storm and the wind and the rain came the rock stood firm but there was another man who was building his house on the sand and when the storms of life came the wind blew and the waves came That it says the whole foundation of the house was eroded and it crumbled. This is the same kind of thing Jesus is saying to this rich young ruler. The foundation you're building on is sketchy at best. It won't get you what you desire. It won't sustain you in the storms of life. It won't take you where you hope it will. And in this moment, Jesus' fierce love that searches our hearts that unearths our foundation comes to him in another way Jesus' fierce love invites him to a new way of living because he says the words that he often asks his followers if you look at the twelve and lots of other people when he engages them he ends with these words then follow me Follow me. And so he asks us today, will you follow me? So before we go on, let me ask you this question. What are you building on? What are you building on? Whatever it is that you're building on, the fierce love of Jesus will regularly search your heart, will regularly unearth your foundation. The invitation to a new way of living is often discovered in the encounters we have with Jesus. And so let me just tell you, that the way we engage Jesus in these encounters is through regularly engaging in conversation with Jesus. Now, I'm just going to suggest that because this is the way I've lived a lot of my life, I'm going to suggest that I think it's, my thought process is I think that a lot of people live their lives this way. In my encounters with Jesus, I regularly do what this young man did, but in a different way. I bring Jesus my proposal for the things that I need and ask him to intervene for me. So I bring a laundry list of my needs, which are regularly centered around things that I desire, and I deposit them before Christ, and I say... Lord Jesus, here I am, Alan, your faithful servant, and I would like to have, and I just throw out my laundry list, I'd like to have this, I'd like to have that, I'd like to have this, I'd like to have that, I'd like to have this, I'd like for you to intervene here, I'd like for you to do this for me, and and then when I've deposited my list of requests, I'm done. I'm ready to clap my hands together, get up from the chair I've been sitting in, and be on my way, just leaving all my stuff with Jesus. And if I, if I do that, I will tell you, I'm cheating Jesus, and I'm cheating myself. Here's what I'm learning in the practice of spiritual disciplines. I'm learning that the practice of spiritual disciplines present us the opportunity to ask Jesus about questions of life, not just give him my checklist of what I want him to do. And not only to ask Jesus about the questions of life that matter to me, like this young man did, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life, but be willing to engage Jesus in the answers he gives and the questions he asks in return. The space and the place for a pregnant pause of encounter to create in me the opportunity to consider grace and truth discovered in Jesus' fierce love. He loves me too much to let me wander on in delusion, thinking that I'm building on something that will get me where it can never take me. And he loves me enough that he begins to offer me the opportunity To experience a new way of living. And I've been following Jesus for a really long time imperfectly. And let me just say I will never follow Jesus any other way. It will always be imperfect. But Daryl Bach says this. He says when we're talking about this new way of living. What he's saying is to trust God. Means to rest in him and his way. To rest in him and his way. You understand? It's not to rest in me and my way. It's to rest in him and his way. So here's how I interpret that. If Daryl is right, and I believe he is, then following Jesus... And receiving his fierce love always implies the willingness to be redirected. The willingness to be redirected. The willingness to rethink what I thought was settled. The willingness to engage and be open to the instruction. And grace and mercy of correction by Jesus because he always desires what is good for me, what is glorifying God, and what will flow through me as good to others. We sang it in the song earlier in the service, and man, I just want to say thanks to the team. They did such an incredible job this morning of preparing our hearts to come to the table. And to come to this moment. Let me go back. To the words that we sang. The words of redirection. Are these. Make me. Whatever you want. Me to be. When Jesus inquires and engages and encounters us with his fierce love. His purpose is always to shape us, to mold us, to form us in becoming the people he's created us to be. A flourishing life is lived well as we set our sights on fully becoming The person that God has created me to be. In Ignatian spirituality, and I've been doing a lot of digging, um, and it's it's just so wonderful. I'm just discovering so much from a tradition I don't know much about, but I'm learning a lot. In in Ignatian spirituality, there's some clarity that comes with regard to this saying yes to Jesus in the encounter. And so there's a couple of ways to look at this flourishing life that we're we're invited to live. And the invitation is simply this. The invitation of Jesus is, here's what I'm putting before you. Now I'm giving you the freedom to choose. Do you want to live into this life or not? You, you, you notice there's no, there's no talking down to this young man. He actually says, if you'll give away your riches, what follows. And he, 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 he obviously didn't hear it clearly. Maybe he did. He says, if you'll give away your riches to the poor, I will give you eternal life. He didn't say no. No. He said, just give up the thing you're trusting in, the thing that you think will bring you what you desire. And this is the regular engagement that I have with God. I'm talking with him, and Jesus is talking to me, and the Spirit is at work, and I'm encountered with his fierce love, and Jesus just simply says to me, Alan, this is what I need you to take a look at. And I get the privilege of saying... Is this something I need to, and this is Ignatian spirituality, is this something I need to lay down and give up for the sake of the flourishing life God has offered me? Here's another way to think about it. This is the pruning work of the Spirit of God in our lives. Are you? This is what you need to do. Do you want to give this up? Recently, imperfectly, you know, it's March Madness. God's been speaking to me about not watching television so much. And I love March Madness in basketball. Good thing it doesn't last all year round. Because I love watching basketball. Especially in tournament time. And you know what? My imperfect obedience has allowed me to watch less basketball... But here's the deal, you understand there's nothing wrong with basketball. You you get that, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with watching basketball. Unless Jesus speaks to you about giving too much of your time to that video experience. And you know what? I can tell you In a short-term observation, there's freedom and joy that comes in obedience. Simultaneously, Jesus is talking to me during this Lenten season about letting some things go. But he also is talking to me about picking some things up. One of those things is the practice of giving myself to sit before him and engage in conversation with him in the spiritual disciplines of the examine. The examine is simply this. It's a pause mostly, most often at the end of your day to ask yourself two questions. When you reflect on your day, where did you experience the smile of God and his availability to you? And just reflect on that for a moment. It's also an opportunity to experience the day and ask yourself the question, where did I feel as though I were abandoned or alone? And ask the question, Jesus, where were you and what were you doing? It doesn't take It doesn't have to take a long time. But letting go of something and picking up something in this season of life has been really, really good for my soul. So let me ask you as we close our time together today, where's God at work in your life? What is Jesus talking to you about? If you've been like me and you drop him your laundry list of to-do things and you've run off, is it possible he's talking to you about hanging around a little bit and listening to what he might have to say? If you've been listening... Is it possible that he's speaking to you about letting go of something? And that something doesn't have to be grievous and evil. It's just something that's impeding your flourishing life and becoming the person that Jesus wants you to become to create space and room for more engagement with him. Is it possible he's saying, would you be willing to consider letting go of this for your well-being? Is it possible that he's talking to you about something? There's this passion that's building inside of you. Say, I sure want to do that. I sure want to put that into my life. I want to engage in this, in my instance, a spiritual habit or practice. A discipline. Is there something that. There's a calling and a longing. In your heart to say yes to. Because. This new way of living. To which Jesus. Invites us. Is not based. On our satisfaction with ourselves, But our hunger for obedience to God. And so how will we, regardless of what Jesus is saying to us, be obedient to him? How will we be obedient to him? And can I just say to you, if you're worried about the rich young ruler, I'm not. And here's why I'm not. It says, he went away sorrowful. There are some other places in Scripture. And wherever that phrase went away sorrowful, Peter is one of the examples. He went away sorrowful. His heart was broken. This young man went away with his heart broken because at that moment he couldn't follow. But Jesus came back to Peter. And I bet you that the Spirit of God, Jesus came back to this rich young ruler. We don't know how it ended, but I have great hope that this young, rich young ruler walked away and he couldn't get rid of the fierce love of Jesus that had encountered him at the intersection of grace and truth. And there was a compelling invitation. And while we don't read the outcome, my mind says, why wouldn't he have allowed the truth and the grace of Jesus to penetrate his heart and ultimately respond to the invitation to turn loose of the thing that was keeping him from gaining what his heart's desire was. The invitation that invites you to engage Jesus is also the invitation that comes from him because it's for your good and his glory. Let me say it a different way. What we think is often our good idea and desire has already been planted within us as a good seed of the grace of God at work in us for our flourishing. We think it was our good idea, but it was the seed of the Spirit planted in the kingdom of God of our hearts calling us, calling us to become People of God that we were intended to be. I want you to stand. Take you back to a previous series, our previous series. First Peter, Peter says, God has given us everything we need to live this flourishing life. And today, I invite you to receive all that he has given you. All that he has given us. And so today, before you go, If you'd like to receive prayer, there'll be people available to pray with you here at the close of the service down front. You might grab your friend and have them pray with you. But would you allow this to linger in your heart? Would you think about this? Would you let the work of the Spirit just marinate your soul in the invitation of the flourishing life that Jesus is inviting you to? And so I pray this prayer. God, grant us the grace to say yes to you in all things. Grant us swiftness in terms of obedience. Softness with regard to our hearts. Break through, Lord Jesus, at the intersection of grace and truth with ongoing encounters of the fierce nature of your love. For indeed, your love always points us to the glory of God and to the transforming goodness of our own lives. Today I pray That marked by your spirit, we will not be able to run fast enough to get away from the invitation of your love. Mark us with your love, I pray. And in your fierce love, stay after us for our good and your glory. And grant us. Grant us the ability by your grace to pick up or to let go of anything that keeps us from the flourishing life you've designed us for. This I ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace until we see you again. The Lord be with you.